Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello everybody and welcome back to my French Grand Prix recap. I'm just going to forewarn you now that there was not a lot happening in the French Grand Prix weekend. Therefore, this might not be that long of an episode. We're going to crack on anyways. So we're going to start with a little weekend warm-up. Um... Typically, the reason why I don't care for the Circuit Paul Ricard French Grand Prix, however you would like to take it, um, is nothing really happens there until the race, and then since nothing happens until the race, you have to hope that the race is more exciting than the rest of the weekend combined. Um, So the excitement that we had before the race was that Carlos Sainz and Kevin Magnussen both took engine penalties to start from the back of the grid. That's how exciting practice was. Um, the qualifying session, we saw Charles Leclerc take pole ahead of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez with the aid of Carlos Sainz's slipstream. Um, yeah, that's how entertaining the Friday and Saturday portion of the French Grand Prix was. The most exciting thing was Carlos Sainz taking a new engine and then using it to allow Charles Leclerc to take pole. Now we'll get into the Grand Prix. Um... As the lights went out and away we went, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton were the top three off the line through turn one. Sergio Perez fell from P3 to P4, and George Russell fell from P5 to P6 behind Fernando Alonso. Um, Once we got to turn eight, the back chicane, uh, Sonoda was, Yuki Sonoda was spun around by Esteban Alcon at what is officially turn eight on the first lap. Alcon eventually received a five-second time penalty for the collision. Um, again, pretty pretty black and white. Nothing crazy here. Um, lap one has definitely been more hectic at almost every race this year. Um, Kevin Magnussen made up seven places on the first lap from the 20th starting position. Carlos Sainz only made up two, although very rapidly after that, Sainz then progressed through the field. His engineer came on the radio in a few laps time and said, uh, the pace is good, you're doing a great job. And Sainz even replied, it doesn't feel like it, but okay. Carlos Sainz is turning into one of my favorite drivers. The radio communication, honesty, personality, everything that Carlos Sainz has going for him is just spectacular. In case you missed it, I didn't mention it before, but during qualifying... Um, since he and Kevin Magnuson both took engine penalties to start from the rear of the grid, the person who qualified behind the other would start dead last in the race while the other started P19, so they kind of put some effort into it. In Q2, after the first run, Magnuson was ahead of Sainz after making a mistake in his lap, so Sainz went for a second lap, and not only was faster than Kevin Magnuson, but was one full second faster than Max Verstappen, on his cooldown lap, headed back to the pits, Sainz got on the radio, half-jokingly, with a little chuckle, and said hopefully that was fast enough. Uh, his engineer got on the radio right away and said, Ha! Yeah, you were only nine-tenths quicker than Verstappen. And Sainz said, Easy days. So that was, I, I'm just loving Carlos Sainz nowadays. The smooth operator, fierce like a lion. I love it. Anyways, back to the French Grand Prix on lap 12, Charlotte Claire's radio. Um, we had his engineer saying, we're thinking plan B, let us know your opinion, which Charles said, eh, copy that. 
not really too enthused about it, but going along with it. Um, I kind of mentioned this. I don't know if it was in my motorsports news podcast, if it was in the British Grand Prix recap, but Ferrari are never on plan A ever. They're always going to a backup plan, and it seems like they always have all 26 letters ready. Um, Later on in the race, we hear plan D and then backwards to plan A again. It's just a constant. They don't even know apparently what they're doing. I think Mattia Bonato needs to get some new strategists in there or do it himself. We'll get to that a little later, though. Uh, On lap 13, Charles Leclerc broke the DRS from Max Verstappen. Um, Signs on the same lap gets into the points when he passes Lance Stroll for P10. Um, Lap 15, we had the signs radio where the engineer asked, do you prefer plan B for Bravo? And signs said, copy that. Momentary pause for you to think, didn't they just say plan B to Charles Leclerc? And I'm going to give you a momentary pause to say yes, they did. My point, where they're never on plan A, it seems. Verstappen was the first to pit on lap 17 to the hard compound of tire. He fell to P7 before he were to rejoin. Um, the very next lap, lap 18, Charles Leclerc crashes out and causes a full safety car. He went wide at Lebose and spun before he got the front wing stuck under the tire barrier. The initial radio communication was something of the throttle, but you couldn't really make out what he was saying because... As we would all be in that situation, Charles was a little shaken and kind of rushing through his words, getting his point across as fast as he could without making full sense. Um, he says something about the throttle, the team messages him back, and he takes a whole lot of heavy breathing before screaming, and I'm going to move my mic away before I scream here to replicate what he did, but he starts heavy breathing, and then he gets on and goes, No! That still looks pretty loud on my computer, but I'm just going to assume that it wasn't that terrible. But um, again, initially sounding like the throttle got stuck again, like it happened in Austria. Um, Sorry, apparently I am getting a phone call. I'm not going to answer, though, because you guys are more important. But it sounds like the occurrence of Austria when the throttle was stuck open, although Mattia Bonato said after the race that he thinks that what he was trying to say on the radio, Charles Leclerc, was that the throttle wouldn't pick up the input he was giving it while he was in reverse, so he couldn't get out of the wall. That might be the case, but I also never saw a replay with the throttle trace like we saw in Austria when the throttle was stuck, whether he spun because the throttle stuck or something else happened under the car. Um... I'll get a little more into this later, so I'm not going to get too deep into it in the middle of the race recap. The next thing that happened was uh, the safety car period, and Sonoda retired during it. We never really got a real reason as to why Sonoda retired from the race. Um, All we really saw was that the side pod had damage to it, but even when the cameras were on his side pod, the commentators were still trying to figure out what had happened to Charles Leclerc. So hopefully some news comes out this week as to what happened to Yuki. Um, On lap 22, after the race resumed, Schumacher, Mick, not Michael, Mick Schumacher spins at Lebose, the same corner that Charles Leclerc spun on. Um, It resulted from contact with Zhou Guan Yu and the Alfa Romeo, who 
as he was trying to pass Schumacher up the inside, lost the rear end, took off the left front nose end plate, and ended up having to pit for a new wing. He then received a five-second time penalty for causing a collision, which here's me personally saying I think that was a bit harsh because he still had to come in and change a wing anyways. Um, he, You can clearly see he loses the rear end of the car in the middle of the corner, slides up and connects with the rear tire of Mick Schumacher. It wasn't any sort of intent. It's just he lost the car. But again, like I've said before, it's above my pay grade. I'm just reacting here. Um, when Carlos Sainz pitted, um, he was given a five-second time penalty for an unsafe release on lap 24. He almost smoked Alex Albon when he was exiting his pit. Um, it was clear as day when it happened, and I don't know how they allowed him to leave the box that dangerously. That was as close as you can get without contact. You even see Albon lock up to avoid the uh, the collision. Um so Sainz receives a five-second time penalty, which his engineers come on the radio and say he has a five-second stop-go penalty. And Sainz knew what the penalty was. The team didn't. Where he says, no, it's not a five-second stop-go. It's a five-second time penalty. And the team goes, oh, sorry. So it's like Carlos Sainz may as well be his own strategist and engineer because he changes his strategy at Monaco and gets ahead of Charles Leclerc. And he knows the penalties better than his own team, who are just sitting watching the race on the pit wall while he's out racing at 200 miles per hour around Circuit Paul Ricard in like 100 degree heat. On laps 36 through 38, we heard some drivers getting on the radio and talking about tire deg, two of the most notable ones. Hamilton coming on the radio and asking if any other drivers were getting deg, where his engineer uh, Bono came back and said, we're just getting ready to tell you, yes, it seems as though everyone is struggling with it. And Verstappen came on about a lap later and said, everyone must be struggling with the left front then, which the commentators picked up on the exact same thing I would have said, which was, that must mean that Max Verstappen is struggling with the left front on his tie or his car and doesn't want to just say it. Um, lap 39, we had Carlos Sainz, engineer, come on the radio again and say, we are thinking plan A. And Sainz replied, if we're going to pit, do it now, don't wait. It's a little bit of foreshadowing here, and also coming back to my point that the plans at Ferrari are never in order. Um, the next lap, um, Carlos said, we cannot pit, to which his race engineer said, okay, plan D, confirm. Sainz said, are Red Bull pitting? And the team said, we think they're staying out. Sainz said, okay, let's pit then. And the team said, stay out, stay out, stay out. And then, Science is trying to pass Sergio Perez for P3 in the race, and the team comes on telling him to box, box, while he's literally right next to Sergio Perez going through the last sector in the pit entrance. This Ferrari team is an absolute joke. Anyways, um, then we had the collision between Sergio Perez and George Russell at the Turn 8 chicane. I will preface this next bit by saying after Spain, where Sergio was done wrong by the team and not even given the chance to fight Max Verstappen for the win, I was starting to become a Checo fan and enjoyed seeing him win in Monaco 
And ever since then, all he's done is complain. And he does more of it in this race. This is not bashing Checo. As I said, I wanted to like the guy. As soon as I start liking him, he turns into one of the most... Oh, what's the word I want to use here? He complains the most of almost any driver that I can imagine. So anyways, according to the new guidelines that we were given for racing this season, George Russell is far enough alongside to deserve the space from Perez, um, as his front tires were alongside Perez's side pod past his rear wheels. And Perez then turned in, turned under braking, first of all, a rule that's been in place for years. Perez turns into him under braking and then gives him even less room while they're turning into the corner and then says that Russell ran straight into him. So Perez broke <laughs> broke the driver code and rule of moving into the car next to him under braking and then ran through the chicane and momentarily passed Carlos Sainz again and a lapped car didn't give the advantage back, and then blamed Russell for it. So I I don't have much respect left for Checo. That incident was just an absolute joke. On lap 43, three laps after initially asking to pit, Ferrari decided to bring Carlos Sainz in. So Ferrari strats are 1 million IQ plays. Hopefully I said that correctly, or the youth of today are going to roast me. Um, I'll dive into this a little bit later, but it just doesn't make any sense, as you can imagine, a Ferrari Strat. Um, Zhou Guan Yu retired on lap 49, causing a VSC, virtual safety car. Um, Russell catches Perez napping on the restart and takes P3, which he should have had in the first place. And then Perez complains nonstop until the end that Russell, quote, keeps going off the track. Um, almost every time Russell went even the slightest bit wide, even if one tire went off the corner, Perez was on the radio saying, he went off again. He went off again. Hey guys, he went off again. You guys still there? Hey, he just went off again. For the entirety of the rest of the race. So again, I don't really care for Checo Perez anymore. So the final result... The top 10 points paying positions, we had Max Verstappen winning, Lewis Hamilton finishing P2, George Russell P3, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, and Lance Stroll. The Aston Martins actually had a really good battle on the last spot for the final points paying position of P10, where it looked like Sebastian Vettel was going to run straight through the back of Lance Stroll's car on the final lap, almost made contact in the final corner. I loved seeing that, even though I know Aston Martin probably had an aneurysm on the pit wall watching it. I love to see it, though. But, uh, yeah, Verstappen wins a snorefest out front. Basically, all he had to do was make sure his tires made it to the end. Lewis Hamilton was 10 seconds off his pace, but basically held the gap between 7 and 10 seconds throughout the race. George Russell and Perez battled. Sainz made up 14 positions throughout the race. And the rest of the order pretty well stayed close to the same throughout the rest of the grid as it started. It's how exciting the French Grand Prix is. So some storylines coming into the race. We had teams and pundits throughout the paddock saying that Mercedes were going to be quick at Paul Ricard. The double podium makes me want to say they were correct, but also a part of me says Leclerc crashed, Sainz took an engine penalty to start from the back. 
and Sergio Perez was clearly off the pace of Max Verstappen, but it's still a double podium, and you can't fault him for that. They did match the race pace of both of the cars ahead of them once the race got going. I even remember about six to eight laps into the race, the commentators were making the point that um, Charlotte Claire and Max Verstappen weren't pulling away from Lewis Hamilton anymore. He was keeping pace, or even a, a couple laps, he was taking a couple tens a second out each time around the track. So they have better race pace, they just can't qualify as well. But um, I want to say that they're uh, quick, but their upgrade package didn't seem to actually give them much of an upgraded performance. Another thing I'll get into later. Um, another storyline was set to be track limits. And they kind of were, but there were no penalties dished out like in Austria. Um, we did see Sergio Perez receive a warning for track limits on like lap six, though. Which was crazy to think that, uh, I shouldn't say a warning, it was a second warning at the same corner throughout the race. You kind of could tell at turn three, the corner um, at the first chicane on the track kind of an elongated chicane where you could cut across the curb on the inside because there's no bollard or sausage curb on the inside so they could cut across just the painted curbs you could see that every once in a while but most people only got like one warning and that was the only mention of it that was about as exciting as track limits got and then the complaining about russell that perez had for the rest of the race nothing too crazy there um storylines that i got out of the race Oh, the heartbreak for Charles Leclerc. It initially sounded again like a throttle issue, but then in his not-really-post-race interview, they had it on during the race, um, he, I uh, guess you could say, admitted that it was driver error. I don't really know if I believe it until they have the full investigation if the throttle was still messed up, though. Um, he just sounded extremely depressed and like he's lacking confidence and hope in what he's actually doing really struck me in his interview when he said um I'm obviously performing at the top of my career right now but it doesn't really matter when I make mistakes like this I could just feel my heart just go shatter right into because how much more upsetting can you get than a guy who's waited years for the Ferrari car to get better 2020 being a joke 2021 essentially just being best of the rest behind Ferrari and Red Bull or Ferrari and Red Bull, Mercedes and Red Bull. Now he's got a car that on paper looks like it's faster than the Red Bull, and he's either making mistakes, the team's reliability is letting him down, or the strategist on the wall um, do their thing and ruin the entire race for him. And he, you can just tell he's so hurt and depressed every time that he talks. It's almost like he's being forced to do stuff at gunpoint at some times. I just am heartbroken for the guy. I think he's getting wasted at Ferrari, but I know he loves the Scuderia too much to ever admit it and leave. So I just hope that they figure it out for him because he definitely deserves at least one driver's title to complement the wins that he has accumulated over his career. Now we're going to get into uh, something that I could do a whole podcast on and have plenty of talking points more than the entire French Grand Prix what on God's green earth are the Ferrari strategists thinking? Their plans literally go back and forth as the race progresses, where they're not even sure if they're on plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or um, W, X, Y, or Z. Like, signs as late radio messages 
like I kind of alluded to some, um, where he's literally asking them to pit. He says, pit me now if you're going to pit me, because it's going to make sense right now. Don't wait, so I have time to actually make up the disadvantage I'm going to have. He's saying it to him, and they just go, nah, nah, you're fine, stay out. Then he gets into a podium place, and all he has to do, all he has to do is finish the race, and he's going to get a podium place after starting P19. And after the race, um, Mattia Bonato tried to justify this pit stop that they made um, by saying that they had no tire life left. And Mattia, my guy, um, all he had to do was make it around the track. As soon as he made the move on Sergio Perez, Sainz was over a second and a half ahead the very next lap. The closest that Perez got was when he cut the chicane in the Russell incident and got ahead of him before letting him back past. He had no competition for the rest of the race. All he had to do was make it to the end of the race, and he finishes P3. But instead they pit, force him to fall down to, if I remember correctly, P9 or P10, and storm back up to P5. And especially in hindsight being 2020, you see Zhou Guanyu force a virtual safety car that would have saved his tires even more. He easily is making it to the end and finishing P3, and instead they pit him with 12 laps left, or 10 laps left, force him to blow by everybody as fast as possible just to get P5. An absolute joke from Ferrari, and I just know they're going to bottle some more throughout the year. Uh, the last storyline I kind of picked up on was the upgrades really didn't turn up the performance of the cars that brought them. Multiple teams brought upgrades to the race, and not many showed reasonable results to justify them. We had teams like Haas, Mercedes, Ferrari, Alfa Tauri, Alpine, and McLaren. All notable upgrades were coming into the race, and none of them really found any newfound, newfound pace that they hadn't had before or not even shown at all before. You could argue the Ferrari was a little bit better, but we didn't really see anything outstanding. Leclerc wasn't pulling away from Verstappen at a ridiculous rate. Sainz was significantly faster than everybody in the end of the back half of the pack, but that's to be expected when your car is considered the fastest in the field. So I'm, uh, I just don't think the upgrades really turned up performance. It'll be interesting to see if anyone brings them to Hungary. I know Haas. My fingers, arms, legs, toes are all crossed right now as I'm saying this. I know you can't see it because it's audio, but I literally have everything crossed right now saying this. Haas are supposed to have a major upgrade package coming at Hungary after it was originally supposed to come to Circuit Paul Ricard, and they delayed it. Hopefully that shows up because I can't wait to see what that Haas does with some upgrades, but we shall see. So... Now we're going to review my predictions for the race. I was two and a half out of eight coming into this weekend. Let's get into it. My first prediction was that we were going to have a Red Bull engine go bang. And boy, was I a failure there. Not even the Alpha, Tau- Alpha Tauri cars retired due to the mechanical issues. So I can't even demand half a point from this one. Just a flat out loss. Max Verstappen won. Um, Sergio Perez P4. Both AlphaTauri's, well, I can't say both AlphaTauri's finished, Pierre Gasly finished, but Yuki Snowda retired with what looked like damage. As I said, I can't take a point because they have not said it was the engine. It looked like all we saw was side pod damage that they retired from. No points! My second prediction was another Mercedes podium. 
I want two points for this one, but I'll just take the one. Ding, ding. Mercedes got a double podium, but I only made the one prediction, so I'm only going to take one point. I'm not going to be greedy, even though I think I deserve two. Uh, my third prediction, Strategy will win the race. Strategy ruined Carlos Sainz's race, but didn't win it for anybody. I did say it would decide the podium places, and it did cost Sainz his, but I'm not going to argue it, and I lose again. My fourth prediction was that Danny Ricardo would score points, and winner, winner, chicken dinner, Danny Rick came home P9 to pick up two points, while his teammate Lando Norris took P7, almost exactly how I wrote my prediction, Norris and Ricardo both getting points, with Norris outperforming Ricardo. I'm bowing, thank you, thank you, you can clap, cheer, woohoo. I know, I'm fantastic. That's a winner, right there. My last prediction was that both Aston Martins would be out in Q1, and Sebastian Vettel ruined that one for me by qualifying at P14. He bucked the trend of Aston Martins missing out on qualifying after the first session. I'm now 4.5 out of 13 on my predictions, baby. So, my podium prediction, the last little bit of this show... I predicted it would be a Charles Leclerc win, a Carlos Sainz P2, and a Lewis Hamilton P3. This was before we knew about the Carlos Sainz engine penalties, so I kind of was behind the eight ball immediately. The actual result being Max Verstappen P1, Lewis Hamilton P2, and George Russell P3. I basically only got Hamilton right. I did only get Hamilton right. I don't know why I said basically. So don't ever listen to my podium predictions, anybody. The next race up is the Hungarian Grand Prix in one week's time. I will have my preview episode out on that here soon. This was my 2022 Formula 1 French Grand Prix recap. Hopefully you enjoyed. Give me some stars. Give me some likes. Give me some subscribes. Comment. Whatever you need to do for engagement. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys soon. Hopefully having some more sports on the podcast. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.